This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. Sponsored by Amazon, Audible, HostGator, Gamefly, and supporters of independent media like you. Welcome to the Humanist Report. My name is Mike Figueredo, and this is the 42nd episode of the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by our latest member on humanistreport.com. Today, we have James Paris. So thank you so much for joining. If any of you would like to join, you can follow the links in the description box down below. Now, as for today's episode, I've got a ton of topics to cover. It's basically the media-centric episode. I'm covering segments from MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, the big three, and the big propaganda three. So specifically, I'll talk about how Bernie Sanders was on MSNBC and Andrea Mitchell tried to make him feel sorry for Hillary Clinton because she's getting attacked by Donald Trump and basically implied that he should drop out. So I'll talk about how he shut her down like a boss. Additionally, Bernie Sanders' campaign is under attack for claiming that the Clinton nomination, if she does become the nominee, could be a disaster. Additionally, Fox News did a segment where they just brazenly lied about Bernie Sanders. No surprise there, but we're still going to cover it. Now, additionally, FBI Director James Comey clarified the nature of Hillary Clinton's criminal investigation. I just gave you a hint as to what it is, but we'll talk about that more specifically. Now, furthermore, Hillary Clinton attacked Donald Trump for not releasing his tax return. Not ironic at all, so I won't mention the irony in that segment, no, of course, it's the elephant in the room. She hasn't released her paid transcripts to Goldman Sachs, but I'll talk about her attack nonetheless, we'll give it a fair shot, and additionally, I will talk about Trump's attack on Hillary Clinton's foreign policy. Now, on the subject of Donald Trump, I will also be discussing how he would allow us to default on our national debt, and I'll talk about the potential repercussions of what would happen if that were the case. Now, furthermore, Jill Stein did an AMA on Reddit, and she hammered Hillary Clinton. So I'll talk about what she had to say. And additionally, the establishment Democrat Donald Norcross in New Jersey is claiming to have been endorsed by Bernie Sanders. So I will have his opponent, Alex Law, back on the podcast to shut down this lie. And finally, DNC chair Debbie Do Anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz made a fool of herself on MSNBC, and I couldn't not share that segment. So all of these topics will be covered. It's going to be a long episode. Hopefully it's going to be enjoyable. So let's jump right in. So Bernie Sanders was recently on MSNBC with Andrea Mitchell, and during her interview with him, she constantly made the implication that Bernie Sanders should drop out. Because she was talking about how Hillary Clinton is really facing two different battles. On one front, she's fighting against Bernie Sanders, who's still very much her opponent. And on the other side of the coin, she's also facing Donald Trump, who's now attacking her. So the underlying implication is Bernie Sanders. I mean, let's wrap it up now. I mean, Hillary Clinton's going to win. It's inevitable. So shouldn't you leave and exit the race? Uh, And basically, she tried to cultivate sympathy for Hillary Clinton. And Bernie Sanders shut her down hard. So we're going to watch the clip and then come back and discuss it. I have a lot to say about it. So enjoy. But isn't the bottom line about you versus Hillary Clinton and who would be the the stronger candidate that she is now fighting a war on two fronts. She's getting beaten up by Donald Trump on a daily basis. Aside from him calling you crazy Bernie in his tweet, he has been embracing you. He is building you up. He likes the fact that you're taking her down. So she's fighting Donald Trump, she's fighting Bernie well, well, Sanders. One second, and that's one second, one second. Overall... Andrea, no, I, I don't accept, Andrea, okay. I don't accept that proposition. Last I heard, Hillary Clinton is running for president of the United States. I am running for president of the United States. Trump is running for president of the United States. And what a candidate does is make his or her best case to the American people. I have gotten attacked and attacked and attacked. My record has been misinterpreted and lied about. The issue of this campaign is to go out to the American people and talk about why the American people are working, are are struggling. Hillary Clinton has got to make that case. Trump has got to make that case. Sanders has got to make that case. And that's what we intend to do. And I know, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just saying that, 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 sir, I'm just saying that that Hillary Clinton's uh, the opposition to her, the negatives against her have been built up by Donald Trump just hammering away at her. And uh, up until now, at least, he has not been going after you as much. Hey, She's Andrea, fighting two Andrea. candidates and you're fighting oh, one. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> Andrea, in every state that we have won, in 19 states, we have had to take on the entire Democratic establishment. We've had to take on senators and governors 
and mayors and members of Congress. That's what we have taken on. So please do not moan to me about Hillary Clinton's problems. I'm in this race to win. We're taking on the Democratic establishment. We are standing up for working people, and we have a shot. It is a steep hill to climb, but we're going to fight for every last vote that we can get, every delegate that we can get, and that's what I intend to do in the next uh, month, five weeks. Well, I don't think I was moaning about Hillary Clinton's problems, but just to point out, let me play a little bit of Donald Trump on Morning Joe. So she said she's fighting Trump, she's fighting Bernie Sanders, and that's depressing her overall campaign, just basically heavily implying that Bernie Sanders should exit the race. No, do you want to know what's depressing Hillary Clinton's campaign? Hillary Clinton. It's not about whether or not Hillary Clinton is being attacked and whatnot. Bernie Sanders has gotten attacked left and right, not just from Hillary Clinton, but Donald Trump from the Democratic establishment, who's supposed to be on his side, but obviously they're not because the Democratic Party doesn't like him. They pretend like they do, but they don't. He's gotten attacked by the media establishment whenever they cover him, and they don't like to cover him, but when they do, it's negative. So I'm not going to feel sorry for Hillary Clinton. See, Hillary Clinton is the one who has to convince us. She's the one who's supposed to make her pitch to the American people. Not Bernie Sanders. He's not supposed to do that for her. When Hillary Clinton actually was given the opportunity to try to court over Bernie Sanders supporters, what she said was, well, I'm winning. You have no choice, so vote for me. I am winning. No, I'm sorry, but the reason why Hillary Clinton's campaign is being depressed is because Hillary Clinton doesn't know how to run a good campaign. And if Hillary Clinton isn't even strong enough to withstand the attacks of Donald Trump, why are you even running? See, Hillary Clinton is strong enough to withstand the attacks. The reason why Andrea Mitchell is saying this to Bernie Sanders is because she just wants to wrap up the Democratic primary. She wants it to be between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. That's what's interesting to them. They love the horse race aspect of politics. But Bernie Sanders is still in this. And I've got bad news for you, Andrea. It's not necessarily the case that Hillary Clinton will be able to win the Democratic nomination outright. So that would mean there's going to be a contested convention. So Bernie Sanders is not out of this. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if she's going to be indicted. So I think that it's really offensive for her to heavily imply that Bernie Sanders should drop out. Now, she also said, I'm just saying that Hillary Clinton, you know, the opposition to her, the negatives against her, it's been built up by Donald Trump just hammering away at her. Okay, what's your point? You're not saying anything new. You're literally just regurgitating everything you just said. Again, Hillary Clinton is going to be attacked. That's what happens when you run for president. And it's frustrating because you know what she really wants to say is, Bernie, shouldn't you just be a good little stooge and drop out and do what we want and do what the entire Democratic establishment wants? No. But Bernie Sanders had the perfect response. He said, we've taken on the entire political establishment, so please don't moan to me about Hillary Clinton's problems. I don't understand how anyone could feel sorry for Hillary Clinton when she's had the weight of the entire political establishment on her back. She has CNN. She has MSNBC doing political propaganda for her. And you expect us to feel sorry for her? I'm sorry, but for this whole campaign, she's been the one who's had the advantage. Bernie Sanders has been the underdog the entire time. At the beginning of the campaign, she corroborated with the DNC to make the rules. She is the one who wanted to limit debate. She's the one who has the DNC chair fighting on her behalf when the DNC chair is supposed to remain neutral. But obviously, that's not the case. She's wholly in the tank for Hillary Clinton because she probably is promised something really nice when Hillary Clinton is president. And even towards the end of the clip, she ignored everything Bernie Sanders said and was like, Here, here's a clip of Donald Trump attacking Hillary Clinton. Again, I don't care. I don't feel sorry for a corrupt multimillionaire who was brazenly slandered Bernie Sanders. Let's go back to the beginning of this campaign. She implied that Bernie Sanders is racist. She implied that Bernie Sanders is sexist. He's sexist because he said that we should stop yelling about gun violence. He's racist because he said that this comes down to an urban versus rural thing. And Hillary Clinton tried to frame it as, well, you know, he's telling a woman to be quiet. And he's saying by urban, he means black. When that's not the case, she's, she's done everything she could to slander him. Her surrogate, David Brock, implied that Bernie Sanders doesn't care about black people because one of his ads wasn't diverse enough. So Hillary Clinton has hit below the belt. So the fact that we're now supposed to feel sorry for her after she's run a really dirty campaign? I don't. I'm sorry. I just don't. So why is it the case that Andrea Mitchell wants Bernie Sanders to drop out? Well, first of all, she's a puppet because she works for MSNBC. They are the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party, and their parent company is Comcast. So Comcast is the parent company of NBC Universal, and NBC Universal is the parent company of a little network known as MSNBC. Now, MSNBC is a network that Andrea Mitchell works for, and Comcast. Well, they're one of Hillary Clinton's donors. 
Comcast Regulatory Affairs Chief David L. Cohen, who is a lobbyist and more like Chief of Deregulatory Affairs, he actually held a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton in 2015 that cost $2,700 a plate. So Andrea Mitchell works for a company who literally has a vested interest in Hillary Clinton's campaign. They have invested lots of money into Hillary Clinton. They've done a lot of nice things to her to butter her up. So that way when Hillary Clinton gets into office, well, maybe she'll be really nice to them and appoint an FEC chair who is going to be inclined to loosen net neutrality rules, to allow them to form these monopolies and have these mergers between Time Warner and Comcast. And by the way, Time Warner is another one of Hillary Clinton's biggest donors. So Andrea Mitchell is just falling in line and doing what her company wants her to do. Now, there's another reason why she doesn't like Bernie Sanders. It's personal. So if you don't know, Andrea Mitchell is married to Alan Greenspan. And Alan Greenspan is the former chair of the Federal Reserve. And you'll kind of notice that Andrea Mitchell, when she hosted the Democratic debate on MSNBC, she was a little bit more tough on Bernie Sanders than she was on Hillary Clinton. This is because her husband hates Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders embarrassed Alan Greenspan because when he was the head of, of the Federal Reserve, he was just brazenly corrupt. He only cared about the rich and he screwed up. That's not my words, that's his words. He admitted that his failed libertarian ideology had misled him and it was a guiding philosophy for him while he was chair of the Federal Reserve. So I'm going to show you the video of Bernie Sanders just absolutely embarrassing him and then you'll get the sense as to why Andrea Mitchell doesn't like him. She's pissed because he made fun of her husband and basically embarrassed him forever and now it's viral. So here that is. Does any of this matter to you? Do you give one whit of concern to the middle class and working families of this country? That's my question. Congressman, we have the highest standard of living in the world. No, we do not. You go to Scandinavia and you will find that people have a much higher standard of living in terms for of education, health care, and decent paying jobs. Wrong, Mr. Greenspan. May I answer your question? You sure may. So there you have it, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> is not a fan of Alan Greenspan, who is married to Andrea Mitchell, who in turn hates Bernie Sanders, who also is doing the bidding of her parent company, MSNBC, who's doing the bidding of their parent company, NBC Universal, who's doing the bidding of their parent company, Comcast. So it's just a big web of corruption and conflict of interest that all relates to Andrea Mitchell doing what she's supposed to do to appease her boss and ultimately get Hillary Clinton elected in office. But sorry, uh, Bernie Sanders is not just going to bow his head, and neither will his supporters. I'm still Sanders. I'm not quitting. Bernie Sanders will remain in this until the convention. So if you don't like that, tough shit. Get used to it. Pundits at the propagandist Fox News outlet decided to cover Bernie Sanders' win in West Virginia, and during their segment, they decided to outright lie about his tax policy. Take a look. All right, hold those polls for one second. We're just going to dip in real quick and watch the socialist Bernie Sanders just step up to the microphone. There he is. You know, to each according to his need, from each according to his ability. Spread the wealth. Tax people at 98%. That's pretty much the message of Bernie so Sanders. annoying. This guy is so annoying. Oh Your mic is hot. <laughs> what are you saying? He he's so annoying. And, and people, who, <laughs> people who think that his supporters go to Donald Trump are smoking dope. Here's what I find funny about that. So they freaked out because Geraldo Rivera was allegedly on hot mic, which I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Uh, and he said, oh, he's so annoying, but Sean Hannity said something even dumber, and he knew his microphone was on. He said, Bernie Sanders wants to tax people at 98%. That's pretty much the message of Bernie Sanders. 98%? Really? You don't believe that, Sean, do you? Because if so, then you're really stupid. See, because at first, when it comes to Fox News, Bernie Sanders wanted to tax people at 90%. Now he wants to tax people at 98%, and tomorrow he'll want to tax people at 100%. What'll it be next, like 1,000%? <laughs> Look, Bernie Sanders has stated that he wants to tax people at 90% exactly zero times because that's not his policy. You can go to berniesanders.com and look at his specific tax plan, and it's obvious that he has a reasonable tax plan. So his top marginal rate is 52% for individuals who make more than $10 million per year. And again, note that I said that's a marginal rate. So that means that anything after your first 10 million is going to be taxed at 52%, but anything under 10 million will have a much lower rate. Now, of course, everyone in that room makes more than 10 million per year. So of course, they're going to see their taxes go up. So they have a self-interest to lie to you about Bernie Sanders policy. When they say 98%, 
They're not talking about marginal rates. They're trying to mislead you and think that you're going to be taxed at 98%. But that's bullshit. In fact, the overwhelming majority of the population, that is 99% of people in the country, will not see a tax increase under Bernie Sanders. In fact, even people who are in the 1% in some cases will not see a tax increase under Bernie Sanders. It's really the one-tenth of 1% bracket who has to worry. And I'm sorry, but if you're within that bracket and you make more than $10 million, I think you're going to be okay. And see, you're lucky that Bernie Sanders is actually reasonable when it comes to tax policy because if it were me... I tax your ass at 90% as a marginal rate, at least until we get the economy going again. Because I'm sorry, but you rich people are going to be just okay. If you make over $10 million, boohoo, I'm not going to shed a tear for you. You're going to be okay, all right? If, if you have to pay a little bit more in taxes, you will survive. You're not going to go hungry. Calm down. It's okay. Now, getting to Geraldo Rivera, he, uh, he said that Bernie Sanders is annoying. God damn it. This guy is so annoying because he wants to raise my taxes. Geraldo, shut up. Do you want to know what I find annoying? I find rich people like yourself annoying who are so greedy that you don't even give a shit if you're going to crash the economy for everyone. See, income inequality at this rate is unsustainable. Wealth disparities this large is not conducive to long-term economic growth. That's common sense. See, rich people don't realize that if you actually increase the purchasing power of everyone in the country, well, then they'll in turn make more money. But they want it right now. They don't want to wait for the long-term economic growth if you increase purchasing power. Because if you have more money and you allow citizens to make more per hour, for example, if you raise the minimum wage, well, then they will have more money to spend at stores. This will help out those businesses. Uh, they will then hire more people. It'll create jobs. And look, it's common sense. I shouldn't have to spell it out. This is Economics 101, and you don't even have to take Economics 101 to get a simple principle like that. But again, this is Fox News, so by explaining this, there's a presumption that I expect them to actually be logical and have common sense, but that's not the case. All Fox News is is the propaganda wing of the Republican Party. Uh, they don't care about facts. All they care about is pushing forth their fake, false agenda, and they hire these people who don't know anything. They, or if they do know something, then they're just brazenly lying to you and don't care. Uh, so either you're stupid or you're lying. Either way, you're bad for business, you're bad for the economy, you're bad for the country, uh, and your propaganda is hurting us. Again, Fox News, so you guys set the bar pretty low, so I shouldn't be surprised. Recently, the Bernie Sanders campaign has released a new campaign email that has ruffled the establishment's feathers. So it reads, a trio of polls released yesterday showed Hillary Clinton in a very difficult spot against Donald Trump. She led by one in Florida and Pennsylvania and actually trailed him by 4% in Ohio. For months, Bernie Sanders has outpolled Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump, and often by extraordinarily large margins. Because we must do everything we can to defeat Trump in November, our mission is to win as many pledged delegates as we can between now and June 14th. Then we're going to have a contested convention where the Democratic Party must decide if they want the candidate with the momentum who is best positioned to beat Trump or if they are willing to roll the dice and court disaster simply to protect the status quo for the political and financial establishment of this country. Now, the word disaster is specifically what's irking them. So here's what the campaign meant by that. So what do you mean by disaster? Well, look, uh, electing Trump to the presidency of the United States would be a unmitigated disaster. Uh, having the Republicans continue to control both houses of Congress would be a disaster. Having uh, Republicans make gains in governor seats would be a disaster. If you've seen recent polling, and I, I know CNN reported them yesterday, battleground uh, state polls show consistently now, both nationally and in battleground states, that Bernie Sanders is a much stronger candidate against Donald Trump than his Secretary Clinton. In fact, so, those so polls you're show saying, that Secretary Clinton. So you're saying, was, Jeff, if, if Hillary Clinton were to become the nominee, it would be a disaster for the Democratic Party and the nation. No, I said it says courting disaster. If the, the disaster would be the election of Donald Trump. I think Democrats need to nominate the strongest candidate against Donald Trump. And all the polling demonstrates uh, consistently now that Bernie Sanders is a much stronger candidate. And not only that, but, uh, but he brings out uh, large numbers of people who might not otherwise participate, a lot of young people. Uh, he's very strong with independents. So that he can create the kind of momentum that will not only elect a president, but also elect uh, Democrats up and down the ballot. That's what we need. Do you notice there how she tried to trap him and actually get him to call Clinton's campaign a disaster? I see what you're doing there, Karen. Is your name Karen? I think her name is Karen or Carol. Can I call you Carol? 
Karen? It doesn't matter. I see what you're doing there, Karen. Now, getting to the substance of what Jeff Weaver said, he's 100% right. So the establishment, mostly the media establishment, but also the political establishment and Democratic Party members, they're trying to paint this election as lopsided. So if it does turn out to be Clinton versus Trump, they're trying to frame it as though Trump is so crazy that Hillary Clinton is going to win by a landslide. That's not true. He has basically erased her lead. Whatever lead she had, it's gone. It evaporated. And that's because the more that people hear Hillary Clinton, the less they like her. And apparently the more they hear Donald Trump, the more they like him. Everyone thought that Donald Trump wouldn't win because the Republican voters who supported Bush or Cruz or Christie, well, they wouldn't switch over to Trump. We're learning that that's certainly not true. And furthermore, he's able to win over a lot of independents. Hillary Clinton is not able to do that. So I do want to talk about the polls that were mentioned in the email. So it does show that within the three swing states that were mentioned, Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are both in statistical ties. So in Florida, Clinton beats Trump 43 to 42, and Trump erases the advantage that she has among women. She leads 48 to 35 among women, but Trump leads 49 to 36 among men. Uh, also, the advantage that she had among non-white voters is effectively erased. She leads 63 to 20%, but Trump has an advantage with white voters, 52 to 33%. So any advantage that Hillary Clinton had is gone now. Trump erased them. Now, Bernie Sanders only fares a little bit better. He fares 44 to 42 against Trump in a hypothetical matchup, but 43% of people actually have a favorable opinion of him, whereas Hillary is still in the net negative. So you still want to go with Bernie over Hillary Clinton. Now, when it comes to Ohio, Trump leads 43 to 39. And as the saying goes, a Republican can't win the White House unless they win Ohio, and Trump may very well do that. Uh, now, Trump also erases Hillary Clinton's advantage with women and minorities here. So she leads among women 43 to 36, but he leads among men 51 to 36. Clinton, again, leads with non-white voters 76 to 14, but Trump leads with white voters 49 to 32. So however well that she's doing among those demographics, he's doing almost equally well with whites and men. So it's gone. Now that's the same case in Pennsylvania. So Clinton leads 43 to 42, and you see the same trends. Uh, Clinton leads with women 40, 51, excuse me, to 32. Trump leads with men 54 to 33. Clinton also leads with non-white voters 74 to 14 again. And Trump leads with whites 48 to 37. Now, Obama was actually polling similarly in these three states at the same point in 2012, but he ended up winning all three states. So that's something that needs to be said. Uh, Mitt Romney was actually leading in Florida by one point, and Obama was ahead by single digits in Ohio and Pennsylvania. But this is a very different election, and Obama's unfavorability ratings weren't as high as Clinton's. And also, Obama was able to capture the youth vote. Hillary Clinton is not able to do that. And there's also a Bernie or Bus movement that even if just a fraction of them actually don't vote for Hillary Clinton, that could be devastating in a general election. So this is completely different than 2012. But I want to point that out just to be fair. Now, the takeaway is obviously that Bernie Sanders is still the best general election candidate to go against Trump. That's been the case, and that hasn't changed. So I'm not willing to roll the dice with Hillary Clinton, someone who could very well be indicted during a general election. See, the thing that's funny is that Hillary Clinton throughout this entire campaign, as well as her supporters, have been trying to scare us with the big Republican boogeyman, saying if you don't vote for Hillary Clinton, someone is more electable than you're going to get a Republican in office. And now we actually have data showing that if you vote for Hillary Clinton, you'll be more likely to get the big Republican boogeyman that we're all scared of, that you've been trying to scare us with from the beginning, but you're not, you're not changing your support. You're still supporting Hillary Clinton. So do you not actually care about the Republican boogeyman like you say you do? I know Hillary Clinton doesn't because if she actually was running to prevent the Republican from getting into office, like she says, well, then she'd drop out because Bernie Sanders is a much more competitive candidate against the Republicans. And furthermore, if I'm recalling it correctly, Bernie is not being investigated by the FBI. Oh, excuse me. He's not currently undergoing a security review, which we know is bogus. So look, Here's the thing about Hillary Clinton. She is in this because she wants to increase their power. She's in this for narcissistic reasons, whereas Bernie Sanders is in this because he actually cares about the American people. We know he got in the race because Elizabeth Warren decided not to run. And I'll just outright say what they wanted Bernie Sanders to say, what Carol wanted Bernie Sanders to say, that Clinton's campaign is a disaster. She's running a terrible campaign. 
terrible campaign. She's running a negative campaign. We all know if you have read any political science studies, you know that if you attack a candidate, especially one with high favorabilities like Bernie Sanders, then your net favorability goes down. And if you look at overall trends, that's been the case. I've been yelling about this since the beginning of the election. And Hillary Clinton isn't listening, so maybe she doesn't watch the Humanist Report, but it's just common sense, honestly. I mean, she has people that she pays the big bucks to crunch numbers for her, to actually read the studies to show what works. But Hillary Clinton doesn't care. She's in this to win this for herself and Bill. Uh, and it doesn't matter if they take the country down as a result. I told you guys about a progressive challenger to an establishment candidate in the 1st District of New Jersey, Alex Law. So currently, his opponent, Donald Norcross, is waging a misinformation campaign and is blatantly lying to voters. He's sending around this flyer claiming to be a progressive leader, even though he consistently sides with the conservatives. But apparently, he's a progressive leader, guys. Trust him. And also, he was endorsed by Hillary Clinton. So progressive. Now, this is also a tactic that Debbie Wasserman Schultz uses against Tim Canova as well. She's sent around a pan that it says that she's a progressive as well but if by progressive you mean conservative then yes you're very progressive Debbie and Donald now the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Donald Norcross a brazenly establishment candidate is claiming to have been endorsed by Bernie Sanders so the question is why would Bernie Sanders endorse someone from the establishment that has a super PAC that's taking money from special interests such as the American Bankers Association and the American Gas Association just to name a few well, it's because he didn't endorse Donald Norcross. In fact, Donald Norcross made that up entirely. Now, his opponent, Alex Law, is back to tell us about this lie. Have at it, Alex. Thanks for having me back on The Humanist Report to talk about this very important issue that's going on in my district right now. So my opponent, Donald Norcross, someone who is a Democrat that has voted with Republicans more than any Democrat in the state of New Jersey, someone that's taken over $10,000 from Donald Trump, someone who's repeatedly worked with Republican Governor Chris Christie, is now claiming that he's been endorsed by Bernie Sanders. Now, of course, we follow Bernie Sanders. We know that he's only endorsed three people, all three of them women, none of them named Donald Norcross. Um, this is a very serious um, issue uh, for us here in the district because he is actively misleading voters with a statement that he knows is untrue. And he spent over $100,000 sending out mailers to the people of this district claiming that he's been endorsed by Bernie Sanders. Now, Bernie Sanders is basically running against exactly what Donald Norcross represents um, in the Democratic Party. He has not to date, and I can't imagine ever would, endorse Donald Norcross. So we are uh, putting together a petition that we're going to get in front of uh, Senator Sanders um, with people requesting that he clarify uh, his endorsement in this race. We're not asking him to endorse me, while that would be lovely. Um, we're asking him to clarify that he has actually not yet endorsed anyone in this race uh, so that we can show the voters of this district, show the media local to, to South Jersey, that Mr. Norcross is actively deceiving voters, something that he is very comfortable doing and has done in the past. Uh, so that is the issue going on right now in our district. You can find that petition at facebook.com slash AlexLawNJ. You could also find it on Twitter at uh, uh, AlexLawNJ. Um, and of course, you could find out more about our campaign, the things that we believe in, um, how I feel on virtually every single issue at AlexLawForCongress.com. Uh, so I do hope your audience will look into this issue, will consider signing our petition, putting a personal message to Bernie, which we are going to get in front of their campaign, um, and uh, uh, so that we can resolve this issue as soon as possible. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. So I will include a link in the description box to this petition so that way you can sign it and tell Bernie Sanders to clarify his position. So there you have it, guys. So as we've seen time and again, these establishment candidates are willing to lie. They're willing to just outright mislead voters and wage these misinformation campaigns uh, and call themselves progressives when in actuality they're conservatives. They're to the right of progressives. In fact, they are to the right of some Republicans even. So if you side with Republicans, you don't get to call yourself a progressive. I'm sorry, but <laughs> that's not the way that works. So uh, I'm glad that Alex Law was back to debunk this myth because we can't allow the establishment to try to piggyback off of the progressive movement and our revolution that we're running in order to get an office into the bidding of special interests. Sorry, it doesn't work that way, Donald. Try again. 
The DNC chair, Debbie Do Anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz, was on MSNBC, otherwise known as the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party, and she was asked whether or not she would be willing to debate her opponent, who was progressive, Tim Canova, and she made an absolute fool of herself. Take a look. I ask you about your, your own uh, situation in your own congressional districts. You're being challenged. We mentioned this in the last segment. You're, you're being challenged in your primary this August, Democratic primary. You have a challenger who's a supporter of Bernie Sanders. who's brought in close to a million dollars now. Very unusual for a challenger, especially going up against somebody in leadership, to bring in that kind of money. Some of this money, it seems like maybe a lot of it is coming from Bernie Sanders supporters in small dollars uh, who do not necessarily think you've been a, a fair arbiter in this primary process. How do you read that kind of opposition you're facing here? I'm focused on two things. One, continuing to serve my constituents and having the privilege that they've given me the privilege of representing them in our nation's capital to the best of my ability and making sure that when I run for re-election, as I am right now, I talk about what I've been able to do for them and earning their support once again. And two, making sure that we do everything we can to elect a Democratic president. Those are my professional responsibilities, and that's what I'm focused on. Your challenger, Tim Canova, is his name. He says he sent you three letters asking debate. He hasn't heard back. He's had supporters, I guess, who've shown up at your events trying to get you to commit to that. Let me ask you here. Will you debate your primary opponent before the August primary? Steve, I'm focused on the two things that I just said. Making sure that I can represent my constituents to the best of my ability. I'm going to run for re-election and communicate with my constituents about the work that I've been able to do on their behalf like I always do. Uh, and making sure that I can do the best job as the chair of the Democratic National Committee to help us elect a Democratic let, president. Let me just ask That's you again. Let me, well, let me just ask you again. I, and I, I, and I'm try... here to speak to you as the DNC chair. So I'm happy to talk to you about the presidential campaign, which is why I'm here. And I've answered your questions. Hold on now. You haven't answered this one question. You're a candidate for re-election. I think it's a legitimate again, question. Will you debate your opponent in your race again, for re-election? Steve, Steve, again, I'm going to continue to focus on representing my constituents to the best of my ability, doing the good job that I've been able to do representing them for the last 24 years, and making sure that when I run for re-election, they know the work that I've been able to do in earning their support once again, and making sure that as DNC chair, I help do everything we can to elect a Democratic president. All Those right. are my two responsibilities. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Congressman and Chair of the Democratic National Committee. Now just to clarify, when she says that she's serving her constituents, she's not talking about Florida voters. She's talking about big business. And believe me, she served them very well. She's even willing to team up with Republicans to attack agencies that protect us from big banks and predatory payday lenders. So we should actually change her name to Debbie Do Anything for Big Business Wasserman Schultz, but I think that finally Debbie Do Anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz is actually starting to gain some traction. So my question is who does this type of thing? I mean, she behaved herself like a child. So I mean, the only people who actually behave like this are children and politicians because n nobody acts like this. You just repeat the same exact thing like a robot over and over again, he's asking you a question. You can at least have the courtesy to say, look, I don't want to answer this question. Let's move on. But instead you repeat the same thing like a robot and look at her behavior. If you look closely at her face, you could just tell how irritated she was. Ah, shut your face, God. <laughs> I mean, that's the way she was acting. This is a grown woman rolling her eyes on national television. And think about how condescending she was to the pundit. Uh, I'm actually here as DNC chair. Uh, no, you're on my show. You don't get to dictate the terms. I know that MSNBC is supposed to be the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party, but this is still my show. You don't get to decide what we can and can't talk about. You don't get to decide what you're here as you're here, and I'm going to ask you questions. Otherwise, I cut your mic and you go. And she even got authoritative with him. She was like, Steve, 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 cut it out. She didn't say cut it out, but did you see the way that she said Steve? I mean, Jesus, how condescending are you? Steve, Steve, again. Look, I'm going to give you a newsflash here. Debbie, do anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz. But the world doesn't revolve around you. You don't get to dictate everything. I know that you've tried to rig the process uh, against your opponent by banning his access to van. I know that you've tried to rig the election for Hillary Clinton by uh, limiting debates, by banning Bernie Sanders from uh, van. But you don't get to do that.
okay? When you do bad things, when you be brazenly corrupt, we get to call you out on it. That's what the media is supposed to be for. And actually, shout out to this pundit because he was actually doing his job. You don't see that very often. He was challenging you. He asked you three times and you couldn't answer the question. It's very simple. Do you want to debate Tim Canova? Well, of course you don't. We know you don't want to debate Tim Canova because you would get owned. See, the only reason why you limit debates or you don't debate Tim Canova is because you're afraid that his ideas will actually resonate with Floridian voters. You're afraid that he actually can beat you. You're afraid that no challenger to an incumbent usually raises this much money. But my viewers, we've all supported Tim Canova. We've donated to his campaign. And even if we unseat you, that doesn't necessarily mean that you will no longer be the DNC chair, but it's a start. And it'll send a message saying that we don't like what you've done with the party. You are responsible for the party losing many seats. As DNC chair, I mean, that's something you take responsibility for. That That's your job. You're supposed to get them in office. But uh, under your tenure, Democrats have lost the House, the Senate, and they may lose the White House because you've pushed through Hillary Clinton, even though she's currently being investigated by the FBI and now it's not a security review. And yes, Hillary Clinton is the target of that investigation. So in conclusion, Debbie, do anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz. She embarrassed herself here. And this isn't the first time she's embarrassed herself. Now, we've already seen Debbie do anything for Hillary's true colors, but it really manifested itself here explicitly. Uh, so it's embarrassing for her, but uh, we all can kind of uh, laugh at it because she's done nothing but try to suppress the progressive revolution. Uh, and sorry, we're just tired of your conservative policies, Debbie. Steve, Steve, again. You don't believe in God, then where's your moral barometer? Steve. That's just me talking. I you understand. You believe what you want to believe, yeah. but if, if you're an atheist, you're basing your goodness and morality on what? Steve, again. Alright, here we go. Steve. Three. Steve. Two. Steve. Again. Hillary Clinton has been downplaying the significance of the ongoing criminal investigation by the FBI of her. Uh, and she's been calling it a security review. Now, those of us fellow liberals, we're not supposed to talk about this because apparently it's a right-wing conspiracy that she's being investigated by the FBI. It's just a security review. But James Comey has commented on this and he decided to give Hillary Clinton, as well as her supporters, a reality check. So when asked whether or not it is a security review, he states, I don't know what that means. We're conducting an investigation. That's the Bureau's business. That's what we do. Investigation. It's in our name. And I'm not familiar with the term security inquiry. Do I even have to say it? No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> but when you're a Hillary Clinton supporter and you love Hillary Clinton and you will lend your support to her unconditionally, the cognitive dissonance is going to be strong when you realize that she's being investigated by the FBI. And yes, it is a criminal investigation. But the mental hoops that you'll jump through to justify this fake truth in your mind that Hillary Clinton is innocent or that she's not being criminally investigated. It's amazing. Now, he also talked about the state of the investigation and he said this, I don't tether to any particular external deadline. Look, I understand the interest in this particular investigation. And so I do feel pressure to do it well and promptly. As between the two, I will always choose well. So he's saying that he does feel pressure to hurry up and speed it up, which he should speed it up. But again, he wants to be thorough. He wants to make sure that he does it well, as he stated. And look, the longer that he waits, the higher the probability that Hillary Clinton will be indicted during the general, which would be a disaster. It would be absolutely devastating. She might as well just hand the election or the presidency to Donald Trump. So that's why it needs to happen before the nomination process is wrapped up, because we have a fallback option. Bernie Sanders in the general election the Democratic Party has no fallback option. You cannot become president if the FBI recommends that you become indicted. That's not, that's not the way things works. It would be unprecedented. Now, to be fair to Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump also has legal issues. He's currently being sued for fraud uh, due to Trump University. But being sued for fraud in these for-profit sleazy colleges, uh, look, it's different than actually being investigated for criminal wrongdoing. So these are two very different things. Being sued is one thing, being investigated for a potential felony or a misdemeanor is another. So this is very troubling. So the fact that Hillary Clinton, as well as the Democratic Party establishment, 
are actively pushing for someone who could potentially be indicted, it's completely negligent. And these are the same people who scare us about the big bad Republican boogeyman. They don't care about it because if Hillary Clinton actually cared about the big bad Republican boogeyman, she'd drop out of the race. Everyone would endorse Bernie Sanders in the establishment instead, but we all know that this is about Hillary Clinton. This is about the deal that she set up with them because they want her to get in office so that way they can work in her administration. Hillary Clinton is running for narcissistic reasons. It's obvious. So it's absolutely unthinkable that she would even run for president and not drop out in the midst of a criminal investigation. I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if Hillary Clinton will in fact be indicted. We don't even know if the FBI will recommend that she be indicted. But here's the thing. If you have even just the 1% chance that you will be indicted, you need to drop out. You should not be running for president. It's just wrong. It's negligent. And it shows that you don't really care about voters. But she could also be running for self-interested reasons because if you are, or she's definitely running for self-interested reason, reasons, who am I kidding? But if you're running, then uh, you could get head of state immunity and pardon yourself. So, I mean, that's one reason. Who knows? We don't know. That's the thing. We don't know. But the point I'm trying to make is that I don't want to take a risk on Hillary Clinton. But here's what's obvious from uh, James Comey's clarification here. Hillary Clinton is lying. She made up the word security review so that way her supporters will feel better. Because if there is any worry that she would be indicted, then obviously this will hurt her chances in the Democratic primary. They'd go with Bernie Sanders instead. Because, again, it's about electability to them, right? They've been voting for Hillary Clinton over Bernie because she's more electable, allegedly, but that's false. But wouldn't they opt for someone who would not be indicted? Well, of course they would. At least most logical people would. So Hillary Clinton has to lie and make up words so that way she can ameliorate the worry that her supporters rightfully should have or don't have. Uh, and furthermore, even DWS, Debbie Do Anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz, has said that Hillary Clinton is not even the target of this investigation. Really? It's, look, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that Hillary Clinton is still in this race, it's really frustrating given the current situation. Again... I say it and I don't believe the words coming out of my mouth. She's being investigated by the FBI. Now, here's the last thing I want to say about this. If it is the case that the FBI recommends that she's indicted and Obama chooses to indict, uh, or the Justice Department more specifically chooses to indict, Obama could pardon her, but who knows what's going to happen. If that's the case, if this actually comes to fruition, then just be ready because it's not the case that the establishment will be like, well, it looks like we're going to have to settle for Bernie even though we don't like him. That's not going to be the case. They're going to try to push Joe Biden to us. Uh, I've said it before, a, a, an indictment for Hillary Clinton will actually be better for Joe Biden than it would be for Bernie Sanders. So we may have to protest. And I will include a petition that the same progressive has created to tell the Democratic Party that we will not accept Joe Biden. They will not be allowed to undermine the will of the party constituency. So we will protest. There will be mass protests in every city if it's the case that Joe Biden becomes the nominee if Hillary Clinton is indicted. So be prepared to protest. But look, here's the thing. This clarification was needed because everyone who talks about this on the left is seen as just conspiratorial. And that's absolutely nonsense. It is the case that Hillary Clinton is being investigated. And yes, it's for criminal wrongdoing. We don't know what's going to be the result. We don't know if she's going to be able to get out of it or if it will be conducive to a felony or a misdemeanor. But she is being investigated. That's the reality. Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein didn't ask me anything on Reddit, and in one of the questions, she was asked whether or not she thought that Hillary Clinton's policies were reflective of motherhood and feminism, and she went in on Hillary Clinton. She states, So, to my mind, Hillary Clinton's predatory policies are the antithesis of motherhood and parenting community values I would hope to see in the White House. Hillary Clinton's track record destroyed the social safety net of aid to families with dependent children, hurting the kids, families, and communities left without support. Supporting the policies of Walmart as a board member, overseeing poverty wages and lousy benefits hurt hundreds of thousands more. Supporting Wall Street deregulation and coddling bankers led to foreclosures for 5 million families and forced 9 million breadwinners into unemployment. Promoting fracking in the U.S. and around the world polluted and stressed the water supplies for communities across the globe. Supporting regime change in Iraq, Libya, and Honduras 
Killing over a million people is another assault. Okay, the conclusion so far is that Jill Stein has no chill. Because <laughs> she is laying into Hillary Clinton. And look, she's right. Every single thing that she's saying here is factual. It's substantive. Hillary Clinton has done things that would make us believe that she is not liberal. She is a Democrat in name only. But again, as I've stated in the last episode, I believe that that title, Dino, doesn't even hold weight anymore because the entire party has moved to the right to defend Hillary Clinton. Case in point, in 2012, Barney Frank was talking about how with Citizens United and how there's an unlimited stream of money in politics, you'd have to be the only person in the world to think that you're not influenced by money. And now he's defending the fact that Hillary Clinton is taking millions from special interests in Wall Street. So I guess that Hillary Clinton is the only person in the world who is not influenced by money, right, Barney Frank? So look, it is the case that Hillary Clinton is not a good Democratic candidate, but Jill Stein continues. Let's get back to what she said, because it's great. Hillary Clinton is widely thought of as an advocate for children, women, and families. She is celebrated as a proponent of equal pay for women and an important advocate for the Children's Health Insurance Plan. In my view, these achievements take a backseat to her history as a director of the anti-labor Walmart Corporation, a proponent of ending aid to families with dependent children, an opponent of a 60 cents an hour minimum wage in Haiti, an opponent of of single-payer universal health care and an advocate for regime change and violence in Iraq, Libya, and Honduras. I'd like to see a woman in the White House who understands we share mothering parenting in an interdependent human family. Whether we are biological parents or not, we are all connected to the younger generations as if they are our own. So look, what she's saying here resonates directly with me. This is called the Humanist Report. This is a humanist stance that she's taking. It's not the case that we care just about, you know, Americans. It's not the case that we care about our own close family. We care about people in the world. We're all human beings. We all have the same interests. We're all driven by the goal to pursue happiness and fulfill our interests. And so it's really frustrating when you have these politicians where they make decisions and they don't care about the consequences abroad. So if you choose to invade Iraq by voting for this illegal war, well then your actions are conducive to the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people. And that's so frustrating. I don't think that anyone who calls themselves a liberal or certainly a progressive should be doing these types of things. And look, she's apologized for her vote for the Iraq war, but she hasn't learned her lesson. She still wants a Syrian no-fly zone. What happens if you have that? You tell Russia, you're not allowed to fly over this area in Syria, and if you do, we're going to shoot down your planes. That's going to lead to escalating tensions between Russia which could potentially trigger another Cold War, or maybe war. She supported a coup in Honduras. Look, it, the point is that Hillary Clinton is not a liberal, and Jill Stein is right to point this out. So my hat goes off to Jill Stein here. This is absolutely true, and the problem is that we allow Hillary Clinton to get away with this stuff because she is part of the Democratic Party, because she's better than the Republicans. But... When you do that, you allow the Democratic Party to take advantage of you. If you support them no matter what, then they're going to think, well, you know what? We can do whatever we want. We can move to the right because our supporters know that the Republican Party is worse. So that's why they do this. That's why they move to the right. That's why the DNC chair, Debbie Do Anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz, is teaming up with Republicans to attack Elizabeth Warren's agency that protects people from these predatory payday lenders. So in the end, Jill Stein is 100% right, and I applaud her for this response. When it comes to Donald Trump, there is a ton of different things you can attack him on and criticize him for. Uh, for example, he threatened to default on the national debt. Okay, that's something that you might want to point out if you're running against him. So Hillary Clinton did decide to attack Donald Trump, but she hit him on his tax returns and is criticizing him because he decided not to release it. Now, that's fine. I agree that he should release his returns, but... It's a bit ironic, and I'll tell you why uh, when we come back. So watch this first, and then I'll tell you what's wrong with this. When you run for president, especially when you become the nominee, that is kind of expected. My husband and I have released 33 years of tax returns. We got eight years on our website right now. So you got to ask yourself, why does he want to release them? Yeah, well, we're going to find out. Now, is she correct? Should Donald Trump release his tax returns? Well, absolutely. If you're a billionaire, you're damn right I want to see your tax returns. And anyone who's running for president should be prepared to release their tax returns. But 
The problem here is just the irony. So it has been 97 days, 18 hours, 41 minutes, and 39 seconds since Hillary Clinton said she would look into releasing her transcripts of paid speeches that she's given to Goldman Sachs. And yet, about Trump's tax returns, she said, when you run for president, especially when you become the nominee, it's kind of expected. Right, but isn't it expected that you also be transparent in other areas, such as releasing the paid speeches that you gave to special interests who crashed the economy? No? Okay. <laughs> the irony is lost on Hillary Clinton. I don't get how she doesn't see that. I mean, I agree with this attack, but coming from her, it makes you vulnerable. It exposes you because Donald Trump can turn around and say, well, all right, I'll release my tax returns after you release your speech transcripts. And then that will be a huge election issue. So she doesn't see that by not releasing the transcripts, she makes herself incredibly vulnerable to attacks from Donald Trump if she's gonna criticize him on this. Now, the implication is that Hillary Clinton is not transparent because she's not. So what she tried to do was make people think that Bernie Sanders was not transparent. So she tried to hammer him for not releasing his full tax returns. And when he did release his 2014 return, it was a colossal failure on her part because it illustrated that Bernie Sanders makes less in one year than she makes in one hour at Goldman Sachs. So right after he released it, she said nothing about it again because it, it was a failure. But look, here's the thing. There is a difference between Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, to be fair to Hillary Clinton. One is a multi-billionaire, or claims to be, and another makes 200000 a year. There's a big difference between them. But again, by bringing up this attack, you expose yourself and make yourself vulnerable to the transcript criticism that you've been receiving throughout this campaign. But... I will now contradict everything I said because this argument about Hillary Clinton exposing herself doesn't matter. It's not true because Donald Trump actually did have a rebuttal to this. This is what he said. He said, she's only attacking me to win votes and beat Bernie Sanders. Oh my God. She's only attacking me to uh, win votes and beat Bernie Sanders. Donald Trump, do you not realize what you've done? She handed you a gift. You had a golden opportunity to turn around and say, oh, you want me to release my returns? How about you release those transcripts? But your response is, she's attacking me because she wants to win votes and beat Bernie Sanders. Well, yeah, that's obvious. Nobody's denying that. Hillary Clinton won't deny that. That's all you got to say? Oh my God, talk about a missed opportunity. I, and look, and I, I'm not rooting for Trump. I'm not rooting for Hillary Clinton. I'm just observing as an objective bystander who dislikes both of these people and seeing different opportunities that they both have. And what a missed opportunity, Jesus Trump. I try to remember that we're not dealing with normal human beings. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are like children who don't think like normal people like you and me. So, <laughs> so is it the case that we will probably see a ton of attacks between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton? Of course, they're gonna exchange blows like crazy if it is the case that Hillary Clinton does face Donald Trump. But they're not going to be substantive. I would be shocked if they are. I mean, you're going to see tidbits of it here and there. But, I mean, this is all they come up with. She attacks him for the tax returns, which if I were her, I would have either a surrogate or a super PAC do it for me because I'm not going to bring up something that would make me vulnerable. But again, as I mentioned, it doesn't matter because Donald Trump doesn't see this golden opportunity to attack her for the transcript. So whatever. These two are unbelievable. Donald Trump decided to hit Hillary Clinton where she's most vulnerable on foreign policy. And what he said, I think, is really going to resonate with a lot of voters in both parties. Take a look. On foreign policy, Hillary is trigger happy. She is. She's trigger happy. She's got a bad temperament. You look what she did. And look at this. I just wrote this down. Iraq. Libya. She voted. Iraq. Let's go into Iraq. I voted against it, except I was a civilian, so nobody cared. From the beginning, I said it's going to destabilize the Middle East and Iran will take over Iraq. You know, for years they've been trying to get Iraq, and Iraq has been trying to get Iran. We decimated that country's military, and now the country's a mess. And what we did is we got ISIS, they got oil. Her decisions in Iraq, Syria, Egypt, Libya have cost trillions of dollars, thousands of lives, and have totally unleashed ISIS. Now, thousands of lives, yes, for us, but probably millions of lives, in all fairness, folks, okay? Probably millions. You know, there is another side to this story. Millions of lives, millions. You know, they bomb a city, I watch it. They bomb a city, and you go and you see this city that's obliterated, right? Obliterated. We started this. 
Obama couldn't get us out properly. But we started this. Now it's a total mess. If nothing would have happened, we would have been far better off than we are now. We spent $4 trillion. But they bomb a city. I'm pretty good at this stuff. And I look, and there's practically nothing. These buildings, four or five-story buildings, you're just laying in. And they'll say, nobody was killed. Nobody was killed. I'll bet you thousands and thousands of people were killed every time you see that television set. They say, nobody was killed. You know, there is another side to it, okay? And let me tell you something. We've lost thousands of lives, trillions of dollars. Millions of people have been killed. Millions of people have been killed, all told. And what do we have for it? Nothing. If we would have done nothing, I always say, if our presidents had gone to the beach every day of the year, 15 years ago, we would have been in much better shape. You'd have Saddam Hussein, who's a bad guy. Somebody, you know, one of these dishonest press, they're the most dishonest human beings in the world. I said, I said, Saddam Hussein killed terrorists, which he did. And the next day they did a story, Donald Trump likes Saddam Hussein. So I always say it differently now. I say, Saddam Hussein, who was a bad guy, a horrible guy, a miserable, horrible human being, right? This way I'm protected from these horrible, yuck, they're disgusting. <laughs> Saddam Hussein was a bad guy, but Saddam Hussein did something very well. He killed terrorists. Now Iraq is Harvard for terrorism. If you want to be a, a terrorist, you go to Iraq. It's Harvard. He used to kill them instantaneously. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, they didn't go through 15 years of a court case. It didn't take them 15 years and they didn't read the rights. They killed terrorists, all right? You didn't have terrorists. And by the way, in all fairness, the Iraqis did not knock down the World Trade Center, just in case you had any questions. Everything he said right there is true. So you have to give him credit where credit is due. So the fact that Hillary Clinton has had so many foreign policy blunders in Iraq, in Libya, in Syria, in Honduras. Look, if he continues on this path, he very well may be the next president of the United States. And I'm not kidding about that. This is the strategy that you want to use going up against Hillary Clinton. And as he moves to the left, Hillary Clinton is moving further to the right and is expecting to still have the support of the Democratic base. Well, when you are going up against someone who's saying these types of things, that honestly is one of the most effective strategies that he can use against Hillary Clinton. Because you can't necessarily hit her on transparency if you're Donald Trump because he's not very transparent. He doesn't want to release his tax returns and he's actually refusing to do so now. So you can't really hit her on that. But here's one thing that you can hit her on, foreign policy. Now look, here's the thing about Donald Trump. When it comes to his foreign policy, he's an open question. One, I question that he really knows very much about foreign policy. And furthermore, he talks about killing civilians. He says you have to kill the family members of ISIS. You have to take out their families. When you get these terrorists, you have to take out their families. He also talks about how we need to bring back torture and do more than what we did before. Look, these are not good policies. They're insane. It violates the Geneva Convention and he even said the Geneva Convention was a problem, which I don't ever want to hear that come out of the words of any president. For me, I'm someone who believes that the U.S. should actually be a signatory to the International Criminal Court, which we're not because people like George Bush didn't want to join because he didn't want to be bound by it. He didn't want to be uh, tried for war crimes because he should be. Him and uh, Dick Cheney should be in The Hague right now in jail. Uh, and Obama was someone who I was hoping would sign on to the International Criminal Court. He didn't either. So I'm someone who I want the U.S. to be restricted. I want us to not be uh, committing atrocities abroad. And when we talk about war, we often talk about it in an American sense. We talk about the toll it has on American troops. We talk about how um, they come back physically wounded. Many of them die, unfortunately. And many don't even mention the fact that they come back emotionally and psychologically wounded and suffer from PTSD. But one dimension that we don't mention is the toll that it has abroad on villages and cities and families that we destroy by our interventionist policies that both Democrats and Republicans perpetuate. When Obama got into office, what did he do? One of the first things was he ramped up the drone war in Pakistan, Yemen, and Somalia, and the rate of deaths for civilians was astronomical. Obama basically gave autonomy to the CIA to conduct drone strikes and do what they want, uh, and it was horrible. Here's my perspective. So the 2008 election, to me, was really a referendum on the Iraq war. I mean, I liked Barack Obama, 
more so at the time than now. But really, Democratic voters and many voters, Republicans as well, felt disenfranchised by the interventionist, war hawkish policies of Bush. And we opted for Obama over McCain because Barack Obama was against the Iraq war and McCain was for it. So now you see Hillary Clinton supporters supporting her no matter what. So basically, both of the constituencies of the parties have flipped. Now you see uh, the Democratic voters who support Hillary Clinton now are more interventionist and Republican voters are more non-interventionist. What is happening? Now, again, I don't know if we can fully give Trump credit for being non-interventionist, considering the fact that he wants to kill civilians and bring back torture and violate the Geneva Conventions. But I do know that what he said there was true. And you have to give him credit where credit is due. He may be wrong in so many other areas. He wants to default on the national debt that we have. Uh, he wants to ban Muslims from entering and exiting the country. But he's right on this. So as Trump moves to the left and speaks more, he's becoming more and more popular. He's going to be able to gain independent voters. And as Hillary Clinton moves to the right... And the more she talks and we hear about her, she becomes less and less popular. This is the same effect that Bernie Sanders has. And now we're seeing it with Trump. This election, if it really does come down to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, if we see more of this Donald Trump, then don't be so sure that Hillary Clinton is going to win. Because Donald Trump very well could win this, if he continues with this strategy, that is. So Donald Trump laid out his plans for the U.S. national debt, and part of it is entirely logical, and I agree with him, but the second part of it is just unfathomable. So Huffington Post writes, Trump says that since interest rates on U.S. debt are very low right now and have been for years, this makes it a great time for the government to borrow money and spend it on public needs, roads, bridges, whatever. If there's something that needs fixing in the United States, borrowing money to fix it is a pretty good idea right now. The boost that this improved infrastructure will give to our economy will be worth it. The economy would grow, boosting tax receipts for the federal government, which would make the new debt easy to manage. So this is a great idea because it would create jobs and it's an investment. So I wholeheartedly agree with this. But getting to the second portion of his U.S. debt plan, things kind of tend to go south. He states, I would borrow knowing that if the economy crashed, you could make a deal. Trump told CNBC, if the U.S. borrowed too much and invested its fresh cash in unproductive products, Trump would tell creditors to accept less than what he'd initially agreed to. Now, I'll remind you that Trump once promised that he would not allow us to default on our national debt. But if you, quote, tell creditors to accept less than what he'd initially agreed to, you're effectively defaulting on our national debt. Now, if we default on our national debt, the consequences would be catastrophic. So the US dollar is a global reserve currency. It is considered the least risky asset in international finance. If investors have to start taking haircuts on this debt, it means that the way money is measured around the world would be thrown into question. All kinds of businesses, both domestic and foreign, would grind to a halt as investors stop to figure out how to sort out the mess. Even in a best-case scenario, the results would be catastrophic. Financial markets eventually sorted things out after the 2008 meltdown, but it still sparked the worst recession in 75 years. A default on U.S. government debt would be worse. Now, odds are that Trump would surround himself by advisors that would hopefully know that you shouldn't ever default on the national debt, but at the same time, by saying that he would tell them to accept less, he's basically telling us that he doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to the debt. Now, he's already shown that he doesn't really understand how things work when it comes to the debt because he said that he would eliminate the U.S.'s 19 trillion in national debt in eight years. So, you know the, uh, <laughs> the national debt that we've amassed since the country's been founded? Eight years gone under Donald Trump. Now, I'm not going to get into that because that's an entirely different issue, but I'll link you to a secular talk video because Kyle Kalinske breaks it down, I think, phenomenally. Uh, and he rips Trump's ass apart, so I'll just link you to that and it'll tell you why Donald Trump doesn't understand what the debt is. But my only logical response to that is this. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. So the conclusion is that if you didn't already know that Donald Trump is a madman, well... You're never going to know because this illustrates that he is willing to take chances that could lead to catastrophic worldwide consequences that he just doesn't fully understand. And that's scary. Again, he initially promised that he wouldn't do something so crazy and careless. Now he's thinking, maybe, we'll see. It depends on how the economy is going. 
So it's really frustrating because in one instance, Trump will say something logical. He'll criticize Hillary Clinton on her foreign policy. And in another instance, he will threaten to default on the national debt, which, again, I, I don't think that you can really articulate the consequences of this. There is very few economists that I think you'll find that will say that it's okay for us to default on our national debt. So for us to even have to spell this out is problematic. So if you're a Trump supporter and you like him for other reasons, then you better be damn sure that you put pressure on your candidate to never default on national debt. Because if you think the economy is bad now, if you think things are bad, then you haven't seen anything. Because as was stated in the Huffington Post article, it would be worse than the 2008 recession. Now, again, you could find better articles on it. You could find uh, more better analyses about this. But just know that it's a consensus that this would be very, very bad. So this is honestly scary that he's so close to the presidency uh, and he would default on our national debt. It's just crazy. Well, that's the episode. Uh, that was a lot of topics to get through. I don't know if you could hear it in my voice, but I actually have a sore throat now from talking so much. But look, I had a lot of stuff to cover. A lot of these topics are, they're, they're dear to me. I'm very passionate about them. So if you actually made it to the end of this episode and listened through uh, all the rants and whatnot, then kudos to you. Um, but thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you to all of my subscribers who tune in every single week. And also welcome all of the newest subscribers to the channel. We are now into 40 thousand subscribers on our way to 50,000 a new milestone and that is honestly mind-blowing to me so thank you to everyone I mean this wouldn't be possible without you guys without the members so look it means the world to me uh thank you for tuning in I will see you next week <laughs>